Welcome to the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon. I am your host, Shane Bacon. A two-parter today. We start with Hank Haney, former swing coach of Tiger Woods, to talk about the return of Tiger Woods and what we've seen, both good and bad. We dive into the conversation about his driver, that dreaded two-way miss we've seen, and what that means for Woods going forward. It's obviously easy to dive into the good that's been Tiger in his return, considering the back-to-back top fives. But I wanted to get Haney's thoughts on the fact that Woods is 192nd to driving accuracy. The two-way miss is still an issue. Tiger 181st on tour in right rough tendency, which means he's missing the ball right a lot. But he's 95th on tour in left rough tendency. So the pull hook is still an issue. We saw it at the 16th, you know, when he needed to make eagle there at Bay Hill when he hit it left, only the second player to hit it out of bounds there all week long. So I just wanted to dive into that with Haney, who obviously spent plenty of time with Tiger. I mean, the return continues to impress. Let's not kid ourselves. The short game is as sharp as I believe it's been since really the Tiger slam days. I mean, I know it's crazy to say that, but I mean, last week he hit pitch after pitch after pitch and putt after putt dead center, didn't miss from inside of 10 feet. And he had a couple of moments last week. I I got a chance to call it throughout the week for PJ Tour Live. So uh, we got his round all the way through Thursday, a chance to watch every single shot of Tiger's. And he hit that ball out of bounds on three, and that was his 12th hole of the day. He hits this big slam down on the bottom of the face of the ball, right push out of bounds, and uh, it was ugly. And then he hits the next one, kind of the same sort of shot with the three wood, makes double bogey there. And what he did after that, I thought, was, you know, it was Tiger-like of old. He, he bounces back with three birdies over his next four holes, but it was the way he birdied them. Smokes driver on four right down the middle. Smokes driver on six, you know, over the water. Didn't bail out right like we'd seen throughout the week and, and some of the things we'd seen later in the week with that right miss with the driver. I just felt like he stood up there and hit golf shots. I was working with Billy Kratzert, and Kratzert kept mentioning that. It looked like Tiger said, I'm done doing this. I need to step up and play and swing golf, and he did that really well there. And then when you go to the ninth hole that Thursday when he shot 68 and he buries this 10-footer on nine for par, I always said Tiger's two struggles in this return have been tee shots on one, which has been a problem really throughout his career, but it'd been it'd been those par saves on his last hole, on his 18th hole. He used to never do that. I mean, he'd always birdie the last. He'd do something special on the final hole, even if the round wasn't going his way. And it has seemed as of late in the last few years of returns that that final hole got him. You know, it's almost, was it, it was a lack of concentration or if it's just, you know, trying to get it in the house at whatever score he was at. But burying that par putt, and it was not an easy putt, I thought that was huge for him. And I mean, it kept the momentum rolling. Another great week for uh, for Tiger. So just wanted to have uh, Hank on, and, and I thought the conversation was really, really, uh, really cool with him. And then, of course, Bob Parsons jumps on after to join me. Bob, the founder and CEO of PXG. It's been nearly two years since uh, he was on the clubhouse. I had him on back when PXG was kind of a boutique type of uh, operation, and, and now you know, you're seeing commercials left and right. Uh, so just wanted to talk to Bob about what he's learned the last 18 months in the business, uh, the good and the bad, you know, what's coming up next for PXG and all that. So uh, you know, it, it was a fun conversation, a different type of conversation. The first one, obviously, very topical in the sense of Tiger Woods, and then the second one with Bob. And just kind of looking back over the last couple of years, uh, he tells a couple of great stories towards the end as well about some of the experiences he's had around some of these players. Both interviews, of course, are brought to you by Ogio. I'm headed to Bandon Dunes next week, one of my favorite places on earth. And my trip will be Ogio heavy. I'm taking my mutant travel bag, packed with rain gear, a couple pairs of shoes, an extra jacket or two. My 2018 Cirrus MB stand bag will be making the rounds around the courses with me. It's lightweight enough for 36, has pockets to carry everything you need at a place where the weather can be unpredictable. It looks really good right now, but it can obviously change. The terminal travel bag... 
is what I'll be rolling through the airport to carry all my polos and pants and shorts and sweatshirts or two for the bunker bar. And of course, I do not go anywhere without my Ogeo Renegade backpack. Basically, what I'm saying is when I go to my favorite golf destination in the world, I trust Ogeo to keep everything safe, compact, and ready to rock. If you're in need of any travel bags, golf bags, and more, go to Ogeo.com. And use the offer code VCLUBHOUSE with no spaces at checkout, and you will save 20%. 20% poof! Gone like questions about Rory's putting. I love Ogio. You'll love them too. Check all their stuff out at Ogio.com. And lastly, before we get to the interviews, I know you've probably seen it if you follow me around social media, but I'm hosting a new competition show on Golf Channel called Shot Makers. The premiere is April 9th. That's the Monday after the Masters at 9 p.m. Eastern. So make sure to set your DVRs. Uh, just to give you a heads up, I'm not really going to dive into it right now, but it was a lot of fun to be a part of. So make sure you check that out and set the DVRs April 9th, 9 p.m. Eastern golf channel shot makers do it. And let's get to our first guest. And we welcome into the clubhouse, Hank Haney. You guys all know him. He, uh, has a show Monday through Saturday, 10 to 12 Eastern on Sirius XM PGA tour radio, the Hank Haney golf show. And Hank, I know you're a popular guy right now. People, uh, of course, reaching out because, there's an old pupil pupil of yours that is uh, having a little bit of success again out on the PGA Tour. What are your thoughts, you know, through these starts, the good and the bad that we've seen thus far from Tiger Woods? Oh boy, I'll tell you what, I'm I'm excited about how Tiger's doing. You know, I, when I first saw his swing uh, that he posted in October on Twitter, I uh, immediately said uh, that's a swing that he can he can win with. I, I thought uh, it it just looked a lot better. I, I thought he would. Uh, definitely be able to uh, well get back to hitting some shots like like he, he had hit when he was so dominant in the game of golf, working the ball left to right, right to left, high and low. And I think we've we've seen some of that. He's had some some nice nice finishes. I mean, obviously the last two weeks finishing second and then and then fifth are uh, good steps in the right direction. Uh, I, I I feel pretty good about where Tiger is. A lot of my enthusiasm was. Uh, based on the fact that you know, I feel like you you never lose that experience you had, and you you know I don't think you lose the the, the putting ability. And his short game has has been better, so that that uh, you know uh, problem was kind of checked off the list. And I think the the only one that's really left is is, is the driving. I mean, I think that's that's the, the question right now. Yeah, Hank, I wanted to touch on the driving here in a minute, but I, I had a chance to chat with you. It was probably six, seven months ago. And, um, you know, this was back when everybody was questioning what we were going to see from Tiger. You know, are we ever going to see a guy return? Are we going to see him able to swing with any speed at all? And uh, and you were very much of the group that said, in between his ears, he's still got that. And you just talked about the experience a little bit. How important is that for Tiger not just to, to to get through this season in 2018, but to remember those memories of all the PGA Tour wins and major wins as he gets in these moments, the Valspar, and gets in these moments at Bay Hill, because you know that's something that a lot of people can't lean on is the experience of winning and dominating this sport, which is so hard to do. Right. Well, I mean, it, it doesn't mean much if you're if you're 168th and. Uh, strokes gained, uh, you know, tee to green or approach shots to the green or whatever he was, you know, a, a couple years ago. I mean, he was just horrific in almost every statistical category, dead last and scrambling. I mean, you know, all the experience in the world is going to do you a, a no good whatsoever. But when you're when you're hitting the ball like he is now and you're you're in decent shape in these categories, I mean, he's 14th in approaches to the green and seventh around the green and 14th in putting. 
Well, now it's a little little different ball game. So when people were talking about how Tiger's lost his edge, I said, you know, they act like, you know, he just used to hit it all over the place and, and intimidate everybody. Uh, but the reality of it is, Shane, is that he, he had such great statistics. I mean, he dominated every important statistical category. And he was so much better than everybody else. Uh, you know, now – you, you couple that with all the experience, then you've really got something. But one of them without the other isn't going to do you much good. But I, but with these, with him hitting the ball like he is now, I I, I feel like yeah that that it, it's it's gonna it's gonna you know mean a lot. That experience is 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 so incredibly important. And you know Tiger hasn't forgot how to win, how to win. Um, you know he he just he just needs to keep getting his his ball striking down. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like if he has a chance to win, I feel like, you know, things will, will kick in. Now, you know, I know he didn't finish good at, at Bay Hill, but, you know, in all honesty, I mean, he wasn't going to win that tournament. Right. I mean, even if he buried the last three holes, he wasn't going to beat Rory McIlroy. So. It was it was interesting. I mean, you're you're mentioning Tiger in his prime, and he dominated every category. In the week that he was trying to win at Bay Hill, it was Rory who was dominating every category. Rory found something in his short game. Tiger's short game, I think has been as impressive as anything we've seen all season, no matter who you're talking about, the Justin Thomases, the Rory's, Dustin Johnson's. Tiger ability to pitch the ball close from really difficult spots and his putting inside of 10 feet has been really, really remarkable. Are you surprised at how quick he's found it around the greens? Well, I mean, from when he was, was yipping chip shots and pitch <laughs> shots, yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't looking good. But, but having said that, I mean, you know, he had a, a pretty big event that happened in his, in his life. I mean, you know, when you, you go to rehab and, you know, a lot of people don't want to talk about this, but right. it's just, you know, it's, it's part, part of why I, I was so enthusiastic about how I thought Tiger would do. Um, you know, when you you get arrested and you've got five different drugs in your system, you're not just having a you're just not having a bad night. I mean, you got You got You're in a bad way and you got a bad problem. And you know, now he's 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 clear. He's he's clean. You can you can just look at him. You can see his face. You can see you know how how much he's enjoying playing golf. You can see how how clear he looks. And you know now it's a, he's a different guy. Um, and you know, it's amazing what that's done, uh, for, for his game and his, his enthusiasm and, uh, and I think, uh, his short game as well. Well, and, and you, now we're going to speak a little on the bad, uh, you, you famously call it the big miss. I mean, that's what the book is. Yeah. Um, it's about Tiger Woods and, and the fact that in your book and something I found very interesting that you wrote is, you know, throughout his career, throughout his domination, when he was best in the world, when he was winning four majors in a row, this was a guy that never was comfortable driving the golf ball. We always would see it on the first tee. You know, you'd see the big snap hook at Augusta. We saw him fan one right, you know, right in his prime as he went on to win that year. And we saw on 16 tee, after three days of, of, of missing it well right there at the par five and getting away with it, when he needs to make an eagle and, and birdie it worse, we saw for just the second time all week a player hit it out of bounds left. This is after his out of bounds ball and his opening round went right with the three wood this still seems to be an issue as he's missing it both ways off the tee. Can he compete and actually win driving the golf ball the way he is right now? Well, it depends what course he plays, uh, whether he can win. I mean, if you play at uh, Innisbrook and you play at Bay Hill and you have an opportunity to play around uh, those issues, then, yeah, you probably can. 
Um, but if you play at Augusta and you can't iron it off the tee, I mean, when they, they mow the, the fairways back from the, the green to the tee, you're not running any two irons out there, you know, 75 yards down the fairway when it hits. Uh, you you got to wood it. You got to hit woods there. I mean, you're going to hit a few three woods, uh, you know, maybe five or six of those, but that's that's about it. You're hitting you're hitting woods on every every tee shot at Augusta. That that uh, you know makes makes it tough. You know, he, he had those two out of bounds balls. I mean, those are those are two penalty shots. I mean, you hit out of bounds. It's a stroke and distance penalty. It's a two shot penalty. But but he also had three other uh, penalty shots in, in in my book because when you have to chip out sideways, that's a penalty shot. Right. I mean, it just it costs you a shot. So seven penalty shots in a tournament, you can't you you, you can't compete. Um, there's there's no way. Now you look at you know I mean he lost to Rory by eight, but he had seven penalty shots and one three pot. So I mean you can coulda woulda shoulda. He you know he's got he's got to clean clean that up. If he doesn't, then it's 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 going to be tough. For for most of Tiger's career, you know, even when I helped him, he he he, he did not you know drive it in in the fairway as much as people would have liked to have seen. But if you looked at his strokes gained off the tee, uh, you know, for the years I helped him, he was thirty first, fourth, third, eighth. 15th and, and 41st uh, and strokes gained off the tee. That's not bad. Right. Okay. Um, that's not bad at all because what he didn't do is to your point is he, he didn't miss it both ways and he didn't take penalty strokes. But uh, if we go from 2010 on and you know, and he's had uh, obviously injuries and everything else, but he's, he's, he's driven it horrifically. I mean, uh, 145th, 153rd, 100. 27th, 148th this year in strokes gained off the tee. Uh, that's too much to give away. Yeah, I, I said before Bay Hill started, what he needs to do is he needs to not hit in the water and keep it out of the houses. And if he does that, I think he can win the tournament. That, that's, that's what I, my prediction was before, but he couldn't do it. You know, he, he, uh, he took seven penalty strokes. So that's the, that's the one part he's, he's going to have to clean up. But when you look at, at the history, and the history is from 2010 up until this point, and I know you know he's, he's missed a lot of that time, so that's the that's the variable that you got to factor in there as well. Um, but if you just look at the numbers from 2010 to 2018 and where we are today, uh, he he's taken way too many penalty strokes with his his tee balls. Yeah, and what's interesting, and, and this goes back to the Rory factor. I saw a lot of people on Sunday night. Um, reciting, you know, the the old rhetoric about, you know, Rory's the best in the world, and when he's at his best, nobody can beat him, and it happens anytime Dustin Johnson does it. We we have a, a culture that is obsessed with what we can't do. You know, I mean, when LeBron James jumps right. out of the gym, us mortals think that's amazing, and, and it, we look past the fact that Steph is such an unbelievable shooter because you and I could go to a gym and make a three-pointer. We couldn't dunk, and it's the same to me in golf. I mean, a 373-yard drive makes no sense to the average golfer, and Rory McIlroy doing that on 16 is unbelievable, right? But Rory wasn't making putts earlier this season, and he was missing cuts, and he was still hitting his driver like he hit it at Bay Hill. Tiger has been obsessed with distance his entire life, and it just seems like you know we've seen the swing speed up. We've seen the numbers fastest on tour thus far through 2018, but the obsession with distance to me comes back with that draw that gets out of hand and goes left and misses left and goes out of bounds. Why is he not sitting there going, I'm just going to hit it right. If I miss it, it's going to go right. Why hasn't he, who's such a smart guy, kind of figured that out? Or is it something that he probably will figure out 
the more tournament golf he plays. Because when you hit balls more to the right, and when you miss to the right, you spin the ball more. And when you're obsessed with distance and you're, you're, look, you're, you're looking at every number on a track, man, and trying to, you know, uh, get those weasel, those, those spin rates down and get them down as low as you can and getting that uh, ball speed as high as you can, you're not going to like spinny shots to the right. I mean, you're just, it's not going to be good because if, if you know, they, they cost you distance. Right. And, uh, and, and that's, those two things kind of go against one another, being obsessed with distance and, and being, you know, uh, trying to, to fix the big miss, you know right. I mean? Those two things just don't, don't go together. You, you, you explained it perfectly. Uh, you know, and, and what doesn't make any sense though, is you you know we we have all this talk about distance and club head speed and 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 this and that, but then you know you're, you're hitting iron off uh, you know all these holes. Um, you know, it's counterproductive. It seems I mean, like. Yeah, what difference does it make? I mean, what you wouldn't you be better off you know hitting the wood and, and and having a little less speed if you could you could find it. So I mean, you know those things kind of contradict one another. Um, but I think there is a, you know, there, and there has been, you said it, I mean, and, and it's very obvious and all you have to do is look at the quotes and, and, you know, and of course I was around Tiger for long, but he, he, he does think about distance a lot, you know, and it's, and as you get older, I mean, I think, I think they all do because that's one fear that they have, you know, they don't fear that they're going to forget how to win. They don't fear that they're going to not be able to hit a, a you know, a, a pitching wedge or a nine iron. You know, they, they fear that they're going to lose distance to the, you know, to the younger generation. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's, I think it's pretty normal. Just in, in, in last thing, I know you've got to run, but, you know, what I, what I just have a hard time understanding with him, and I've always had a hard time understanding, and maybe you can shed some light on it, is, you know, I mean, you said it, he's obsessed with distance. He loves getting the ball out there. I'm sure he loves nothing more than hitting a drive next to Justin Thomas, and it goes 10 yards farther than JT. But what... I haven't understood, and something that took Phil Mickelson so long to do is to say, I can win if I hit a five-yard cut 295 yards. And Phil did it finally at the Masters when he won in 04. He was just, I'm going to hit this cut, and that's what I'm going to play, and that's how I'm going to win around this golf course. And to me, if Tiger's looking at these numbers and at these stats of him the last few weeks, he has to think, if I can get the ball in the fairway at any clip, I've got a really good chance of winning with where my short game is right now, and it'll be interesting to see what he does when we do get to Augusta. Is he going to take that sort of approach, or is he still going to go out there and try to swing out of his shoes? And if he does, I just don't think he'll get the ball and play enough to compete yeah, around there. He, he, but it's not that simple. I mean, you, you just, it just, you know, when you explain it like that, it's like just, you know, take take five miles an hour off your clubhead speed, and you'll find the fairway. But it doesn't work like that. Um, he takes five miles an hour off his clubhead speed. His top end shots are going to be shorter, which he's not going to like, and then uh, he's still not going to find the fairway. I mean, it's not that's not you know it's it's it's, it's, it's that's not that's not the answer. Right. The answer is he's he's, he's got to make make better swings, and that's just his speed. That's what he go. That's how he plays the game. He's not you know I told people he's not going to all of a sudden turn into Jim Furyk. It just doesn't interest him, and he knows he can't play like that. And when Rory hits it 274 yards. You know, down the, the the fairway on 16. You know, what's Tiger going to do? Lay out there with an iron and then you know hit a hit a three iron into the green when Rory's in the pitching wedge. He can't. You can't compete like that. 
Uh, he knows he can't compete like that. He wants to play against the best players. He sees how Dustin Johnson plays, Rory plays. I mean, J- Justin Thomas, they're all playing out of Tiger's playbook. Right. And, uh, you know, now, and now he's going to turn into Jim Furyk. It's not going to happen. But I, I, and I, I, don't think, I don't think it would make a difference anyways. Um, he, he, you know, he's hit, some, he's hit penalty shots with his iron off the tee. You know, <laughs> That's a good point. Like, what, 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 you know, they go, oh, he's hitting so many great iron shots off the tee. There's another perfect one down the fairway. Well, I get it. But, I mean, he hit it in the bushes on number three at the Honda with an iron off the tee. He hit it in the bush or in the water, and he hit it in the bushes on number one at Bay Hill off the tee on the first hole. So, you know, he he took something off those, and they they still went in there. I, I don't think it's just as simple as just you know uh, back and down, but I, I know what what you say because everybody says it. And you know, when he hits a wild one and they see this big hard swing, they go, "Why does he try to swing so hard?" Well. You know, just who he is. A little more to it than that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's who he is. And, and, who he and is. Do, do you feel like there is a level of yips that he has off the tee? I mean, you're you're mentioning, you know, kind of throughout the, the the long game of his, the driver three wood, long irons, and such, and he misses those as well. Is there a level of that still in him right now when, when he gets on the tee and pegs it up? Well, I mean, he he, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard to tell. I mean, when you see watch somebody putting, you can you can see it. You right. know, with the with the driver, you look for for signs of certain shots, which is quick hooks to the left and big huge blocks to the right. Um, but but it's really difficult to to see. I will say this though, when Tiger makes a, a swing and hits some of these shots that are just you know these off the map shots. I mean, they don't look that bad, right? You know, I mean, <laughs> the swing would not look. You know, bad. I mean, well, it didn't look that bad, right? I mean, you, you can't you can't look at that swing and say, "Oh, look!" I mean, no wonder he hit it a hundred yards offline. Um, but then again, when you hit the ball, you know, three hundred fifty yards, it doesn't take much to send it a hundred yards offline either. So, it's hard to say. I mean, you know, maybe. Um, you know, maybe he'll he'll come up with a shot, but but I, I I think he's got to play more of those stinger kind of shots. We've seen it with the iron, but we really haven't seen it with the three wood. Um, I think he, he, if he played that shot more, I think he'd, he'd, he'd be in better shape. And I and I also um, you know think that I'm not saying cut your distance down, but but I think if he would accept a spinnier miss. I think he would have a a, uh, a a better opportunity to to keep the ball in play. That that's probably my my thoughts on the on the whole thing with the driver. Yeah, Hank, I, I got to say for for Tiger, it's a good thing if we're sitting here for uh, for analyzing the fact that uh, that whatever he's done has got him in the top five the last couple of weeks. That is a good thing for us and a good thing for golf. I appreciate the time as always. Great insight into Tiger Woods golf swing. All right, Tim. Appreciate. It. Thanks for having me on. A quick break before we get to Bob Parsons to remind you about OGO. I told you all about the gear I'm taking on my next golf adventure, but I wanted to expand on the Cirrus MB stand bag for 2018. What we all want when carrying our sticks is something light, something comfortable, and both of those things without sacrificing pocket space, that all-important pocket space. That's exactly what the brand-new Cirrus MB bag does. A weather-resistant pocket for your phone and valuables, four massive pockets for golf balls, gloves, a rain jacket, sunscreen, maybe a clubhouse koozie perhaps that I just ordered. It's a brilliant design. It's my favorite bag OGO's rolled out to date. Give it a look and upgrade your golf game before you get to the range. Who wants to rock new clubs in an old ratty golf bag? Nobody. Check out the OGO Cirrus MB stand bag and all their products at OGO.com. All right, let's get to Bob Parsons. And we welcome back into the clubhouse Bob Parsons, of course, 
founder, CEO, and basically commercial voice of PXG. I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. Why, why do you decide to do the commercials with your own voice instead of bringing in? I mean, you have actor friends. You've got plenty of people that play your clubs. Why did you decide to kind of voice those commercials from the start? You know, I did it one day just for fun, just for fun, Shane, and, uh, and it kind of worked. And I got a lot of comments from people, and especially from people that knew me. They go, "Yeah, I'm in, I'm in my house. I'm doing this, or you know, um, you know, imagine what people could be doing." <laughs> Your voice. I'm like, Where is he? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's a distinctive voice. I've tried my PXG voice before doing doing you, but we did this 18 months ago, and at the time, PXG it was an entity known around golf, but it wasn't what it is now. So if you think back to a couple of years ago, 18 months ago, what has changed for you surrounding PXG and your approach to golf that was different maybe a couple of years ago when you guys were just starting out being known to maybe people just outside of the really nerdy golf people? Well, you know, gosh, I mean, everything has changed. First of all, we went from um, uh, nobody knowing who we were to being a, a very recognized brand. Um, we uh, have uh, a, a reputation as a solid club maker. You know, that has certainly progressed. Uh, uh, we've had uh, enthusiasm for a product that I, you know, you know, I was happy to see it, and I believed in what we were doing, but I was overwhelmed with the way that, that it's, it's taken. I mean, you know, keep in mind, when we started this, you know, with all the research and development and money we put into our, our clubs, right, and you look at what we'd have to sell them for, I was told by person after person after person that that was a fool's errand, <laughs> all right? Uh, you know, I don't mind being a fool, but, I mean, I don't want to be on the errand. Right. Uh, but, you know, it turned out that what we were doing was as right as rain for us. And uh, so the acceptance had been just tremendous. We now have 172 employees. Uh, we do uh, most of our, our uh, uh club sales through our fitters. We've got 41 fitters throughout the United States. Uh, the international acceptance has been great. We've got 42 countries now that where we sell our products. Uh, a week ago, we had 41, and uh, Lila, our PR person, who you know, said to me, um, you know, we now have 42. I said, who's the 42nd? She goes, I don't know. We've got to find that out. I said, is it Liechtenstein? She says, it could be. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, what, what, I, what I love about you, and I, I got a chance to play with James Hahn, um, and, and what you do that I feel like is very different is you are very hands-on. I mean, you, you do the intro when you guys would come out with new products. I already mentioned the commercials. James mentioned when he went through that stretch in 2016 where he missed eight cuts in a row, and then he just somehow comes out of his own and wins at the Wells Fargo. He said you texted him a couple of times during his stretch of bad play, just saying, hey, everything okay? Uh, you know, do, do you need anything different? Is it the equipment? Is it this? Is it that? I mean, that's pretty hands-on considering what you're going to see from other companies. Do you do that with all the players? Do you feel like it's more than just a working relationship? It's more of a friendship? Because you do have some unique personalities on your staff when you look at, at the players that play PXG. Well, here's the deal. I look at it this way. All our players are playing our equipment because they believe in it. And they have decided to put their career, and they're in one of the most difficult occupations in the world to earn a living. I mean, if they don't win, they don't eat or, you know, they don't, you know, make the cuts and so forth. Uh, so it's really important that they do well. I look at that as a two-way street. 
I look at it that, uh, you know, if they're willing to make that commitment to me, we as a company have a commitment to them, and that is whatever they need, bang, done. Uh, you know, we do it, and however we can help them, we're standing by their side. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, our success is their success, and their success is our success. We're in it together. We might as well work that way. Well, yeah, you, you, you have, and again, you have very interesting personalities on your staff. I mean, you've got the Christina Kims of the world who are never scared to say exactly what they feel like. Pat Perez is very much the same way. On the flip side, you know, you have maybe a softer voice in the sense of Orion Moore, James Hahn, who I already mentioned. What's the process that you guys go through when you're looking for a player to potentially put on your staff, to put the hats on, to be, you know, projecting what you do at PXG? Well, it goes back to when I was a young man and I first started dating. And my father <laughs> set me aside and he said, look, there's something I have to tell you, and it's the most important thing you need to look for in any girlfriend you find. And I'm th thinking I'm going to get the top, right. you know? And I could have gave him the top, <laughs> right? But uh, uh, he sat me down and he said, the most important thing you want in a girlfriend is you want one that likes you. That's it. And so, you know, we're the same way with our tour pros. Uh, we didn't persuade any tour pro to try our clubs. The people that we signed were either playing them or came to us and wanted to play them because they hit them and they liked them. And so, uh, you know, we, we will never be in a position where I try to persuade somebody to hit our sticks. If they're not hitting our sticks already and don't want to hit them, you know, they're better off being with somebody else. Uh, so that's what we look for. I mean, a, a number of the, the players, uh, uh, Pat Perez was playing our sticks already full bag and won in Mexico two years ago. Uh, we had uh, 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 Catherine Kirk was, had a full bag, was playing one last year in the, uh, uh, you know, won a tournament last year on the LPGA uh, uh, two years ago. Uh, uh, Brittany Lang won the Women's U.S. Open. I didn't even know she was playing her arms. <laughs> Somebody told me uh, the day after the tournament. You know, Bob, the uh, gal that won the, you know, the uh, the Women's U.S. Open was playing your playing your arms. I went, yeah, really, <laughs> and absolutely. So, I mean, that's who I choose. I do business with people that want to do business with me. So companies like, you mentioned a major championship. You guys have had big victories already under PXG. Um, when you have that first major as a player playing your stuff, do you have anything grand set in your brain? You're a guy that doesn't sh shy away from doing grand stuff. Is there anything, I mean, a gold motorcycle or doing something crazy? Have you thought about anything like that? Because we see other brands have little things they do for their players when you know, maybe they bring home a Claret Jug or they bring home something that, that is, is one of the, the elite events to win. Well, you know, I have a tradition that I, I give every, at the end of every year, uh, for Christmas, uh, all my players' watches. And if they win, they get a gold watch. Oh, there you go. All right? If they win a major, that thing will be loaded <laughs> with diamonds. It'll be, here's your gold watch, and I've got to put a couple extra things on there. Yeah, I mean, they'll go glittering, glittering around the course with it. You better be wearing it when you play. Well, you, you broke into a tough industry. I mean, golf is not an easy industry to break into. I mean, you've done plenty of business stuff in your life, but, you know, golf is very, very competitive. People tend to play what they like to play. Right. Uh, you've done putters, wedges, irons, fairy woods, hybrids, drivers, bags. Your bags are very popular amongst golf fans. Is there a chance 
in 10 years, five years from now that we see a PXG golf ball, for instance? Or, or is there other parts of it that you might think about getting into? Because you got into this industry because you were spending all this money on other stuff. Is there a chance that could be something in the future with you guys? <laughs> golf ball. You know, <laughs> my life is complicated enough without being in a golf ball business. Uh, you know, you got uh, you got Titleist and Costco going at it and hammering tongs with each other and you know, they've been at it, going at it with Callaway and all the patents and where to go. At the end of the day, we're, we're you know, never's a long time, but I don't expect we'll ever be a golf. All right. I, I, I got to ask. I know it's competitive as well. I thought maybe you'd see a couple out there and go, man, I can get this in a whirl. Um, give me a golf bucket list item, your list, that you've yet to either accomplish or yet to do. Something in golf. Because I know you're a very, very passionate player yourself. Is there a place you haven't played? Is there... Uh, you know, maybe I've never made an albatross or a hole-in-one or something like that that you've always wanted to knock off your list? Well, you know, I've kind of, you know, when I was younger, I used to have goals like, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to have a double eagle once or I'd like to have an ace. I've had a few aces already. Uh, so, and now that I'm 67 and, you know, I'm, I'm winking at moving up keys. <laughs> so probably, you know, that's going to be, you know, not one of my goals uh I really don't care about shooting my age because I'm going to have to be pretty old with the way I play to do it. Uh, and uh, so, you know, I'm trying to think if I, you know, if there's anything that, that I have on a bucket list. I don't, as an individual, have a bucket list. Okay. I like doing what's in front of me. You know, I'll have, uh, for example, you know, I'm the type of guy, I do things on the spur of the moment. Like, I decided to go to uh, uh, Japan and and Korea and, and, and Taiwan on a, on a business trip. I mean, a week before the trip. So, so stuff like that, you know, I do. And, and, you know, I'd say my life, I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, the only thing I, I really want to do is I, I want us to do what's right for our customers, do a good job. I like our employees to be happy. I like to be able to, you know, one of the things that we do that is, that is very different, you know, I, I run uh, or I'm involved with 15 companies. Uh, one of them is GoDaddy, and one of those is my foundation. So I guess it's 13 in our in our organization. Um, most of the money that we make, we give away. And uh, that's probably one of the things that, that we like doing the absolute best. And so, uh, you know, I, I spend time making sure that, that we, you know, we try to keep everybody happy. Oh, you want a goal? Try doing that. All right. <laughs> and... Um, I mean, that's, that's what we do, and then everybody's happy. We make enough to give some money away, and I'm good to go. Bob, I know the military has always been important to you, uh, an ex-Marine, and, uh, and you, uh, you guys have started to come up with some concepts around that involving some of the PXG clubs, and I just wanted to expand on that and just get your thoughts, not just on the military, but what you guys are planning on doing moving forward. Yeah, exactly. I, um, uh, when, I was, uh, when I was a young guy, I was terrible in school. I mean, I was <laughs> terrible in school. Um, I used, I used to get these, uh, yellow, uh, Ticonderoga pencils, my mother, you know, my mother would give me and I just chew them all day. Right. I mean, I look like a beast with all this stuff in my teeth and mouth and I failed the fifth grade. Um, if I was in elementary school today, I'd be pumped full of Ritalin. <laughs> You'd be having more pills before you got off than oh, having lunch breaks. Man, yeah. But, um, uh, same thing in high school. And then all the way to when I was a senior in high school, I was ready to fail out. Uh, matter of fact, my buddies asked me in gym one day, they said, what are you going to do after high school? I said, I'm going to still be here. 
And so they said, we're going to go talk to a Marine Corps recruiter. I went down to the recruiter's office, joined the Marine Corps with them in 1968, Vietnam War, rocking and rolling. And uh, I showed all my teachers my orders, they all passed me. You know, kind of a neat trick. Right. Uh, so, but when I, I went into the Marine Corps, did a tour in Vietnam, and came back. And uh, when I got out, I was a different guy. Man, I was, um, uh, I was, uh, I went to co- high school, I mean college, right after the Marine Corps. Graduated magna cum laude. People that knew me couldn't believe it. I took the CPA exam, passed it the first time. Anything I ever accomplished, I owed to the Marine Corps, the United States Marine Corps. They were as much apparent to me as my own parents. And what they did, they taught me discipline. They taught me to believe in myself. They told me to hold myself to a higher standard. Uh, they taught me pretty clean as dirty, right? <laughs> and, you know, responsibility must be, man, you know, must be, uh, you know, you got to be responsible. And uh, so everything I ever accomplished, I owe to the Marine Corps, and I guess for that matter, the military. Um, and so I haven't forgotten that. You know, we have uh, all the military, Marine Corps designations, MOS designations on our clubs, our arms, 0311, riflemen, um, uh, our, our driver, 0811, you can be sure that's artillery, and, 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 and like that. So, you know, what we've done is we've got a new program. We're going to kick it off even better where uh, we're going to be selling our Gen 1 arms to people that are current military or um, have been in the military uh, and, and are retired. Uh, so I'm excited about doing that. I love doing that. The individual that is going to be heading it up is a retired Marine Corps colonel. Uh, he's all psyched up about it, and off we go. Well, it's a, it's, it's a cool program, and, of course, that brings us to Gen 2 Irons. I know you're very excited about it. This is something that you said when you started PXG, you would not come out with a new golf club unless you thought it was way better than the one that you've done. And, I mean, that is something that the golf companies do regularly. They, they kind of roll out a new club every six months, seven months, eight months or so. How long has it been since Gen 1 came out? And how many iterations of Gen 2 did you see before you finally said, this is the one, this is actually way better than what we, pr- we produced before? Well, it's, it's been three years, and it all depends what you call an iteration. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I mean, if you talk to my engineers, they'll say, oh, we had like uh, 12 iterations. Well, they're talking about a major prototype. You know, they went, to, I, I count every false rabbit hole, and I'd say it's around 30 or so. Um, and, and I know that because I looked at what they did, and I said, all right, back to the, back to the rabbit hole. And, you know, it's been three years doing it. Uh, our, our original Gen 1 irons are so good. I believe that when we release Gen 2, our Gen 1 irons are the second best iron in golf. And I'll tell you how good they are. All right? We're selling those for $350 a stick. We're selling our Gen 2s for $400 a stick. We still have people knowing that we're going to be bringing our Gen 2s out in, in uh, a month or so. Get fitted with our Gen 1s, hit them, and pay full retail for them. Which is our prices? We don't discount, right? Right. So they pay, and they say, "I don't see how the Gen Twos will be any better." Well, to me, that's quite a tribute to the Gen Ones. 
Well, I mean, and, and you guys have, have touted the fact that the, the 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 interaction you guys have with the turf is better with the Gen 2s. You can pick up a little bit more ball speed. I mean, we, you you obviously showcased him with some of the media, and I think a lot of the people that had a chance to hit him saw that. That seems to kind of be the selling point for this Gen 2 iron is you're going to hit it better off the turf, even miss hits. The face is a little bit bigger, and you're also going to get four, five, six yards out of it per club. You know, four, five, six yards depends on the individual. I had some guy, Michael Collins, come up to me and said, I hit this 12 yards longer. I said, really? And he goes, really? And, 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 and he did. Um, I, I don't know how, but, but he did. And, and I, you know, I heard numbers like that all over the board, comparing them with Gen 1s. Now, you compare them with other, other irons, then maybe your gains and, you know, your performance numbers would be much better. Um, but... Uh, I, I do know that uh, we have uh, got, a, got a big accomplishment with our Gen 2 irons. They're better. When I say they're better in every way, they're better in every way. I have to ask you about the bad little nine. $1,000 challenge if you shoot par or better. Yeah. Have you had to cut a check yet? No. Have you seen anybody come close? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, we had on challenge day. Now, keep in mind that there's times... We designate this on a Friday. Okay. We have a little more difficult pin positions, and we make the greens a little faster. And what we're talking about is a nine-hole par three course at Scottsdale National that is the nine most difficult holes <laughs> we could conjure up. Now, it's not the nine most difficult holes in the world, copies of them. These are all unique. So... We had the only guy who, who came close, and he actually did it, was James Hahn. James Hahn, he goes there one day, and he plays two balls on every hole and gets the lay of the land, right? And then he goes back to the pro shop, and he takes uh, one of the, the tour staff with him and plays the nine holes and chips in on number nine to be one under. And then he says, you know, I, I did it. And, I, and then I asked him, I said, James, when you play Augusta National, <laughs> I said, did they let you play two balls on every hole the day you, uh, you, you, you know, you play your tournament round on it? And he says, no, Bob, they don't. And I said, we don't either. I said, you're disqualified. <laughs> Pat, Pat Perez said, uh, I was talking to Pat Perez, and he said, He's been close, but he says the ninth is the hardest hole there. So you could be even one under something like that, but even getting to nine, that it's basically you're hitting it onto a top of a ping pong table if you're lucky. Well, here's the deal: Pat did par, okay, but it wasn't on challenge there you go. day. It was during the off season where the grass was growing. Uh, it was um, uh, easy pin positions, and it just wasn't set up for it. And of course, Pat gets it good. I did it, I did You know, he, he, he looked like uh, uh, Michael Phelps when he won his last swimming meet, you know. Uh, but uh, I had to tell him. Didn't count. Uh, doesn't count there, son. Well, I got one more question for you. I've heard this famous story floating around for a while. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. But uh, it's one that I've laughed at, I think, the most about you. Uh, when, when, so it used to be Golf Club Scottsdale, correct? And, then it, yeah. and you bought it, and it was Scottsdale National. There's a famous popcorn machine story. That was floating around, uh, a, a member asking about popcorn machine. And if you don't mind, I'd love to hear you give that side of the story because I've heard it maybe three different ways, but obviously I've, I've never heard it from, from Bob Parsons. <laughs> you know, 
All, all I can say is, you know, <laughs> when I when I first got it, uh, we we had a member go to the wall for a uh, popcorn machine. Didn't work out. Didn't work out in his favor. Well, that's Bob Parsons. I appreciate you taking some time. You can obviously check out Gen 2 and all what PXG does on their website and everything. I appreciate the time. Always entertaining to hear from you and uh and fun to fun to see, you know, the the you know, your company kind of uh go from, you know, this little side of the golf world to being, you know, a big player in the game. Well, good to be here with you, Shane. Thank you much, buddy. Good luck to you. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole. It's in the hole. Well, that will do it for this week's Clubhouse podcast. Many thanks to the listeners that got this far. Hope you enjoyed both those interviews. Many thanks to Hank and Bob for jumping on. Just a reminder to check out OGO.com. Use the Clubhouse at checkout. You'll save 20%. DVR shot makers, subscribe to the Clubhouse newsletter. I, I mentioned that I got some new Clubhouse koozies coming. They should be here in the next few days. And, of course, every time I order new ones, I have a new uh, saying, if you will, on the back. The next one I think you guys are really going to like. So if you've asked for Clubhouse koozies and haven't received them yet, I've got 200 rolling in here in the next few days, and I'll start sending them back out. And if you want one, all you got to do is go to the Clubhouse Pod on Instagram, follow it, send me a message on that, and I'll get a koozie in the mail for you. Easy as that. If you're international, it's not as easy. But I'm trying to figure out a, a way to do it if you're international. Hopefully I can figure that out. I'm not very smart, so it'll take me a little bit of time. But uh, thanks for listening. If you love the pod, subscribe, tell your friends, do all the things you're supposed to do. Hope you have a great week. Hope you get out and play some golf. If you're in the Northeast, I hope you enjoy sitting at home and watching some golf. Have a great, have a great week.